So man is coming back from his office party just before Thanksgiving. And it so happens uh, he's living in the, in, the, in the suburbs, taking the commuter rail train on his way home. And looking down at his feet, he is admiring the gift bag that was given to him before he left. See, he apparently won the company turkey, as it were, this year, and was bringing that turkey home for his family. And thinking to himself, what do I need a turkey for? After all, I'm sure my wife already picked one up. Or having family over in a couple days, and it's going to be a big weekend. Of all people to win a turkey, what am I going to do with this turkey? And he's staring down at the bag, and uh, this train stops one of the stations. Uh, a homeless, seemingly homeless man gets on the train, sits down right next to him, which disturbs him a little bit because he was not dressed well. He kind of smelled a little bit. And, and it wasn't long after that that the man who didn't dress very well, wasn't smelling very good, started to weep. And a very successful man, looking down at the turkey, says, hey, what's going on? What, can I help you? Are you okay? And he says, you know, I, I just, it's been a rough few months for me. And he starts to share a story about losing his job and, and things at home not going well and not being able to provide for his family and his two kids. And, he was on his way back and he said, you know, I tried to get a job today and it didn't go well. Nothing seems to be going well right now. He's like, I, I've got like $7 to my name right now and it's Thanksgiving weekend and, you know, I'm going home and I was supposed to find a way to provide. I got nothing. And man looks down at the bag and he says, hey, you know, I, I got a turkey here. You want to take that back to your family? He's like, oh, no, no, no. He's Last thing I want is a handout. You know what? I, I really don't want a handout. He said, well, wait a minute. You, you know what? It doesn't have to be a handout. He's like, I, I don't think you could get this thing weighs like it's about 20 pounds or so. It's a big turkey in this bag here, I'm guessing. So, you know, how about this? So you said you got, what, seven bucks? How about I'll sell it to you for five bucks? How's that sound? And man's like, are you serious? You'll sell me the turkey for five bucks? He's like, absolutely. And he's like, that would, you blessed me, sir. Thank you. And the train stops at the next station. The man takes, gets off the train with the turkey and goes on his way. And a few more stops, and this successful man gets off, goes home with, to be with his family. Amazing weekend, thinking to himself, you know what? What a great story. I was able to bless somebody as I've been blessed. What so happens, he, he goes back to work on that Monday after Thanksgiving, and some of his coworkers come up to him right away in the morning and says, hey, how, how is that turkey? He's like, what do you mean? Yeah, the turkey you won last week. How was the turkey? And he's like, well, what do you mean? They're like, well, you opened it, didn't you? He's like, no. I gave it away. Like, you gave it away? <laughs> they just start laughing. Like, you didn't even realize what it was, did you? We threw some rocks in there and a bunch of paper, and there's no turkey in there. Hope you enjoyed it. And they walk away. And just the weight of realizing what had happened. So it goes what happens when promises aren't what we expect them to be. Promises are kept. Things that aren't what they seem. Things that promise everything to us and they end up being empty. And whether we are the victim of promises that are unkept or whether we are the perpetrators of promises that we haven't kept, the end result is always the same. It's just this humdrum of humanity that becomes very very broken and very sick and very tired. 
Maybe you've noticed this, but there's a lot of promises being made these days, and I'm not even talking about the campaign trail right now. I'm talking about just the campaigns that are on TV every day or every time you, you open up a newspaper, you see that the promises that are being made right now. I've heard it said something like $183 billion are spent on marketing. And what is marketing when it comes to products that are being sold right now? It's promises. I mean, watch some of the ads. If you buy this car, which, by the way, have you ever bought a car for somebody for Christmas? You, make, you watch TV and you're like, wow, lots of people must be buying cars for their family for Christmas. Maybe you have. Don't want to offend you, but I've never done that. But maybe somebody must be because they're marketing it like crazy. And if you buy this car, it's going to change your life. And it's going to make you seem like the best gift giver ever. And I guess it probably would, wouldn't it? Or... Or if, if, if you buy this watch, it's going to make you so athletic and so impressive to people. I mean, if you buy it, you will be the one that everybody wants to be. Or whether it be cologne, that's going to increase your sex appeal. Or, or whether it be a pill, it's going to do just that. I mean, come on, goodness. There's so many promises being made right now. All with the same promise. If you buy this, if you get this, if you give this, you're going to be somebody that others want to emulate and be like. How's that work for us? Now, I was reading this more. You know, you think about what is spent. Last year in the, in the U.S. alone, 331 billion bucks spent just on clothes. Um, that is 28% of the amount of money that was spent worldwide on clothes. And, and we only have like 5% of the population, yet we spent 28% of the money in the world on clothes. Uh, because we need more outfits, right? Maybe you do. How about this? Last year, $310 million was spent just on pet costumes for Halloween. And, and your pet's still mad at you about that, right? Um, Meanwhile, three out of four people in the U.S. can't even use the garages because we have so much stuff. And when our house runs out of stuff, we move it out into the garage. You can't get rid of anything. You've got to keep the stuff. And meanwhile, then the, there's like a, how many billions of dollars? $24 billion industry in self-storage right now. Because if you don't have room for it at your house, well, hey, let's go rent some more space. We can hang on to more stuff. Stuff, stuff, stuff. And the more stuff we have, the more important we get, or the better we feel, or... Or we have arrived and been more successful. We have more stuff. And so the lies are preached. The lies are told. And we've been sold that lie again and again. I was noticing this just even in my own life. I, just the other night, we get out the Christmas decorations. Set up the tree. An artificial one. And I'm looking at it. You know, it's pre-lit. I'm like, you know what? We're going we're gonna to make it better than last year. And, and with that, I'm out the door and I'm going to buy more lights, to put lights over the lights, right? And, you know, I, I went and got four boxes of lights. I'm like, hey, that's got to be plenty. And I put these lights on the tree and guess what? Not enough. Got to go back for more lights and go in back for more lights. But on my way back from getting more lights, I'm thinking, you know what? Maybe this is the year we've been needing a new tree skirt and, and new uh, stockings over the the, the, uh, the fireplace, and hey, maybe Bed Bath & Beyond has a sale going on, and I, I cruise in there, and, and I'm looking around at all this stuff, and I'm like, wow, there's just a lot of stuff, and, and, and I'm, I'm kind of having second thoughts, like, what, 
what am I really doing? Do I really need this? And, and, and then somebody comes up and they ask this question. Can I help you find what you're looking for? Seems like a simple question, doesn't it? Can I help you find what you're looking for? Because really, what are we trying to find? What are we looking for these days? Obviously, more and more stuff isn't answering the, the question of what we're seeking. It, it promises so much, and the more we give them, realize it's really not there. Maybe it's we're looking for faithfulness. And we're in a marriage right now, maybe where our, our spouse has been unfaithful, or maybe we're the one that's been unfaithful. And, and you're living that out, or in your family, maybe among your kids, or, 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 or others in your family, and you've seen the broken promises and things that were promised and things that aren't fulfilled. Whether it's your health, whether it's other relationships, whether it's finances, the broken promises of what you'd hoped for and what just didn't follow through and was not delivered can be a very hard place to be today. We're longing for a promise to be kept. And the question comes, where do you find it, right? Well, I think you know. And it's good to be reminded that our God keeps promises, isn't it? You think about what God says in his word today. And I want to turn to Old Testament reading, if you would. Open your worship folder, if you will. It's printed there or the Bible to Isaiah chapter 7. And to give a little context to this, a lot of times we jump right to the promise that's made. And that's important to do so. But just to give some context to this. This was first written at a time of a lot of broken promises. God's people living in Judah, in the land of Judah, the southern kingdom, and people who had been turning away from God, the one who had given them promise after promise and promise and his faithfulness, and continued to shower on them his word and, and a God who was faithful to his people, and yet they would turn their backs and have nothing of it. They were too enthralled with the culture. They were too enthralled with the politics of the day and wondering and fearing and having questions. And, and then there was one making promises. His name was Ahaz. Ahaz was one of the most evil kings of the Old Testament. Ahaz was really kind of between a rock and a hard place, you might say, because politically there was a lot of pressure on him. There's a, a nation known as Assyria, and, and they were powerful and seemingly unstoppable, and they were moving in and, and conquering and conquesting. And, and there were a couple other nations, Ephraim and, and Aram, they were trying to push and, and make it figure out how to plan with Judah, yet they were trying to take over Judah in the midst of that. And, and you've got this political turmoil and, and really a, 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 a powder keg ready to explode. And God calls on Judah to be faithful, to just simply trust in God. And Ahaz would have nothing to do with that. Ahaz was busy scheming and trying to figure out how he could take things into his own hands and figure it all out on his own. See, Ahaz didn't have any room for God in his life, could care less. Instead, what he does is he makes a deal with the Assyrian king, a guy by the name of Tiglath-Pileser III. That's quite a name, isn't it? And part of that deal brought about a changing of a culture. It, it brought in paganism. It, it brought up in uh, 
to Ahaz actually setting up a pagan altar right in the temple. A pagan worship that involved prostitution and, and the pornography, porneo, that would relate very well to our culture and all the promises that are made. If only we'd follow this way of lust. If only we'd give in and think this is what life is really all about. Ahaz was all about it. And to that context, the prophet Isaiah shares the word of, the, of God. And you would expect that word would be nothing but judgment. It would be nothing but God turning his back on his people for their unfaithfulness rather than their trust. And that's not what we find. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, I will not put the Lord to the test. He sounds so faithful there, doesn't he? But actually, he just doesn't care. And then Isaiah said, hear now, you house of David. It's the only place where Ahaz is referred to as the house of David. You may remember Old Testament stuff. Judah would be the, the bringer of the messianic line. And, and here, the king of Judah is called the house of the line of David, it says, Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you now try the patience of my God also? Who's he getting at? Why are you looking in all the wrong places for the fulfillment of what you long for? Can I help you find what you're looking for today? Is really what God is saying. Because only God can bring what we long for. The stuff of this world, the relationships of this world, by creating in our spouse or in our family, thinking, they're God to me. I need them to be faithful. You know what? They're going to fail you. They're going to fall short. Our jobs are never going to deliver on the promises that our souls long for. The stuff will never hold up to what it promises. We need something greater. In the context of that longing, the prophet says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Notice who is going to give the sign. Who's behind it? The Lord is. The Lord's going to give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And you will call him Emmanuel. The virgin will conceive. What? Maybe you've heard that so many times, you just take it for granted. This doesn't normally happen, you know? This makes no sense. How is that possible? But that's a pretty big sign. And how in the world is God ever going to deliver on that one? And yet God can do whatever he wants. God is all-powerful. God can make it happen. Of course, it wouldn't happen immediately. It would take 700 years. But when that day comes, and when that angel visits Mary and says, you are the one. The promise God made years ago through the prophet, you're the one through whom it will be fulfilled. And she's like, how can this be? I'm a virgin. And the angel says, exactly. That's the promise, you see. Because God is faithful and God keeps his word and he's made his promise. And you're the one who's going to usher in that promise. You know, we have the blessing of being this side of it. To turn to God at a time like this and realize that 
as we face the unfaithfulness and the brokenness of this world, we have the benefit of knowing how well that promise truly was kept and how it truly does change everything as we know it. Let's turn to him as his people, knowing God has come close to us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your promise. We thank you for the fulfillment of it in miraculous, powerful ways. And at the same time, Lord, we ask your forgiveness for all the times we have entrusted your promise. For all the times we have turned to other things to be the answer to that longing for what we're looking for. For all the times, Lord, we have broken our promises to loved ones around us. For all of that, Lord, we give you thanks. You have come to be a Savior. Emmanuel, God with us. We deserve to be pushed far away and kept at a distance. Instead, you came near to us. Thank you for being that kind of God. A God of your word and a God who keeps his promise. We pray you and give you thanks in Jesus' name.